So um, we are um, in we are in the Ephesians. Oh, I think I've done the two slides the wrong way around. That's fine. Can you go to the next slide, <laughs> please? Um, we're in Ephesians, um, talking about glorious riches um, in Ephesians chapter one. So I understand that for the past couple of weeks you've um, had um, Tim story come and talk to you and then Chris last week as well um so yeah we can actually go back to context now I've just realized um so context Paul is imprisoned in Rome when he writes this letter it's about AD 62 um and he is um writing a letter to the believers to encourage them and we're not really sure whether it was a letter to a specific group of people in Ephesus or actually he intended it to be a bit of a circular because it applies to so many people there's no sort of specific issues addressed in the letter um, to do with personal things that matters, like were in Corinthians, if you remember. Um, in Ephesians, it's much more of a general um, excitement about the promises of God and the blessings of God and the behavior of the people as a response to God's blessing. So chapters one to three really um, are about these privileges that we have. Um, we've got the adoption, the acceptance, the redemption, the forgiveness, the wisdom, the inheritance, the seal of the Holy Spirit. And that's apparently all in one breath in that first chapter. And when there's no, um, there's no grammar, what's, the, what's it called? Punctuation. punctuation. There's no punctuation in that part of it. And we get to be having a life of citizenship in the heavenly realms whilst we're also in the earthly realm. In other words every spiritual blessing now the, the that's sort of the first three chapters and today i'm only doing a bit of chapter one and the the second part of um ephesians chapters four to six really talk about our responsibilities so enjoy this bit guys <laughs> um so how the choices that we're making and the and the behavior that it sort of comes a bit later in this series probably when laurie's back right <laughs> Um, so um, the great blessing, um, I was thinking about this the other day because we have a school next door to us. We've got this amazing kind of hub of an area in St. Peter's where there's all sorts of um, educational centres right next door to us. Um, and one of them is a, a Catholic school, a secondary school. And um, they put on these days for certain years. So we had year nine retreat day. Um, and so we have a class of year nines all come in and, and I get to talk to them about um, the promise and love of God and the fact that God thought of them before the beginning of time and um, he perceived them in his mind's eye before he created them and now he loves them and their faces were just like what this was the first time some of these people had even thought that God might have thought of them in a personal way and it's really exciting to have those opportunities to share um, with people who don't normally get to hear um, about God's amazing blessing and love. And that's really what I want us to be thinking about. You've just had this kind of, we're doing this food bank day today where we're thinking about people who don't know the hope of Christ. And so while we're thinking of the joy of knowing the blessing, we're also thinking about how do we communicate that to other people that we meet along the way. So um, I believe somebody's going to come and do our reading for us. Is that Mark? Brilliant. Fantastic. I even remembered your name. Amazing. <laughs> it just came to me like that. It must be the Holy Spirit. That's, that's, that's revelation. That's revelation. Yeah, that is. Um. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus 
and your love for all God's people. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of, our, of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has. Called the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the, all, as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. For above all, rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God's placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Brilliant. I don't think I need to say anything. <laughs> it's all there, isn't it? It's an incredible amount of theology, how we are working out who we are and where God is, and um, understanding what it is that Jesus has done and how that impacts us right now. Um, so we are God's people. We're God's people, and we're living holy lies. Um, we have a, a way of talking about this in um, St. Peter's, and we say um, living holy life is living life with God and for God. That's how we describe holy living, living life with God and for God. And yet our identity as God's children is constantly being undermined. Ever feel that way? Ever feel like you're not quite sure if you really feel like God's child? <laughs> any, any of you in here, yeah? I can see a few nods going around. I, I mean, literally, it's being undermined, not just by um, the thoughts that come into our heads, but by what other people are saying around us or even to us or what our world is saying. Um, there's a thing, isn't there, where it says the world, the flesh, and the devil. And those things come against us and prevent us from believing the truth, even when we know we do really. But in the day-to-day, -day, we stumble and we trip over some of those um, undermining thoughts and words that people say. But I want to say this. If you only have a seed of faith in your pocket this morning or you have all faith this morning. It's not how much faith you have that matters. It's what you put your faith in that counts. We are in this time of um, experiencing this blessing, this fullness of the blessing and yet we're not at that time when it is completed and everything is made perfect. 
we're in the now and the not yet, aren't we? And that's um, because before um, God chose us, before God even, like I just said to those year nines, before he even um, created the earth, he thought about what was going to happen. He had it in mind that he would create you personally and that he would create us in this place and that he had those things before um, things began. He chose us and he had a purpose and a plan for us. We can say that and yet, again, it's difficult to really know that. How do we know that? Is it because the Bible tells us so? Or is it because somebody else said it once and I thought it sounded good? We've also got the kind of after where we know where this passage takes us. It talks about our inheritance yet to come. And actually, we don't really know. Even the Bible talks about lots of things about the un, the unblemished, the imperishable, the eternal. What does that mean? How do we even think about those things? Well, when we think about love, that is an imperishable. When we think about the word of God, that's an imperishable word. It will not, it will remain. It will not be taken away. Those are the kind of imperishable things. But the extent of that, no idea. It's an absolute mystery. How can there be an absolute and a mystery? That's what it is. There's both the things that we can know now and there's the things that we won't know until after. After what? After um, Jesus has returned and we um, get to have every tear wiped away, as it says in Revelation. So we have this inheritance in Christ. But in the middle, we have this now time. And I think that, that Paul in this letter to the Ephesians draws our attention, certainly for me this is true, he draws our attention to the power. The power that we have now the power that is in Christ. And as Mark just read, that same power that raised Jesus' corpse from the dead to life eternal with the story still visible in his body, that same power that did that and took him up to the right hand of God is the same power that he released by his Holy Spirit to live in us. Let's just pause and pray for a moment, shall we? Lord, we don't really understand that and we know that's okay because we can't understand everything. But we want to open our hearts to you because this prayer that Paul says, open our hearts, the eyes of our hearts, is our prayer this morning. Would you open our eyes as we're thinking and we're listening to your voice, as we're trying to tune into your Holy Spirit? We open our hearts to you. Amen. So it comes back to God. It, it, it's his power. It's him. It's his Holy Spirit. We come back to God because it is he who we put our faith in. It's not how much faith you have, but
but what you put it in that matters. So there's a question, how can we know God? Well, the Greeks like a lot of head knowledge. And I say like instead of likes, because it's still pervasive in our culture. We're very much a part of the Greek culture, the ancient Greece um, of, of philosophy and, and wanting knowledge and pursuing knowledge. We're very much part of that. But the Hebrew understanding um, of knowledge was more of a heart revelation. It was more of a spiritual enlightenment that the Hebrews would be referring to. And I believe that Paul is taking all of that into account when he speaks to us. So he's thinking about the thought, the kind of ways that we use our brains to consider the actual evidence, the facts of the matter, the evidence that is before us, the things that have been written down that we say are historical truths, the experiences that people have had, which we can say are concrete, actual experiences, and the scientific part of our brains that wants to say, well, that, that God of creation is the same God that's going to bring about this, the God that's created the cosmos, that scientific part of our brains that wants to understand the cosmos, I believe is connected to this same part of our brains that wants the evidence. But it's also, you can't just have that as a believer. You can't just have the evidence. You have to also have this other part of revelation, this encounter with God, this encounter with the truth, with this possibility that it is God who created the cosmos. Not just we know about the cosmos, but we can see there's a God within that who's designed all the parts of it together. And that's why it's so amazing and beautiful. So um, I love it when people share their stories. Um, and we, on a Sunday, every pretty much every Sunday at St. Peter's, we share our stories. We just have a bit of time where people will come and say something. It might be like really random. It might be, um, uh, I had an eye operation this week um, and it went really well. That might be it. Or it might be, I'm going through this terrible time in my life where everything is falling apart and I just really need you guys to know that. And it's about sharing story because we need to share story. Um, so my story, a bit of my story is that when I was 12, um, my RE teacher, God bless her, Mrs. Mead, um, she, she put us to task in our, in our year seven group and said, um, what I want you to do this week is to look at the gospels, read the gospels and accounts of the resurrection of Jesus. And I want you to um, write down the things that you think are true and the things that you think are there's no evidence about them. And then we're going to have a debate in the main hall with all the different classes together. Um, and Vicky, um, I'd like you to argue that there's no resurrection um, and you're going to put that debate forward. And so and so we'd like you to do an argument that, that the resurrection actually happened and and so we had to have this debate. And during the week, I went into the school library and I saw this, this massive book on the shelf saying, who moved the stone? And I thought, oh, can't read that. <laughs> it's too big because I don't, don't know how to read, really. Um, it was not my thing. So I, I took it off the shelf like this and it was too heavy. So I just pushed it back. But I knew that that person who'd written that book had done a lot of investigating for themselves. They were trying to prove 
that the resurrection was not not right, like that it didn't happen. And they ended up realizing it did. Um, and I felt the same. I was reading the Bible accounts and I thought, well, it's kind of like it has happened. So I went up to my teacher and I said, um, Mrs. Mead, I, I don't think I can do this argument. And she said, why not? And I said, well, because I believe that the resurrection actually did happen. And she must have been going, <laughs> but she just went, <laughs> she just went, that's okay, Vicky, you can still put an argument together. And so I just had to stand there and go, well, it was actually the angels. They moved the stone and because they wanted to. <laughs> and I literally just sort of said that. And then I sat down and I thought, mm. but you see, that was me using my, you know, dyslexic brain. But I was using my brain to try and work out the evidence. I was trying to find out the truth. And I think it's really important that we do that. But it wasn't enough. I didn't know God at that point at all. I didn't even believe in God. I just knew that this particular thing was true. And I believed that. And about two years later, um, I ended up going to uh, some meetings where believers were just talking about Jesus. They were talking about Jesus had done this stuff for them. They were sharing their story. And they were saying, oh, Jesus, Jesus came and, and really helped me this week with my... Um, difficult relationship at home, you know, or they just talk about Jesus. I was like, this is really weird. They're talking about Jesus. Didn't he die 2,000 years ago? And I started putting two and two together. I know he was resurrected. So this is, there's something going on here. And I started seeing it in other people. And there came a point where, where I gave my life to Jesus because I basically said, God, I actually do believe that these people, uh, what these people are saying, and this adds up. And I put them together and I said, look, God, if you're there, I really want to know that you are there. And when I prayed that prayer one night in my bedroom on my own, I totally believed. I was like, oh, I do believe in God. And that uh, that was it. It was like the Holy Spirit just came and just made gave me that gift of faith. And I'd say it was like a, a pocket full of faith. And I needed that. But it was two years later that I went to a, a, ca a Christian conference camp thing that my mum didn't want me to go to. Um, I went to a CWR camp, and at that place, they were teaching about the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, um, praying in tongues, and that sort of thing. First time I'd ever really encountered the power of the Holy Spirit. And when I encountered the power of the Holy Spirit, it wasn't, it wasn't like I just became like superwoman. It was like I knew that I felt the love of God. I felt, it was like my, my whole being felt loved by God it was an incredible thing and it, and it was like these these things come together but it's not one thing or another it's all of those things together and I have to say that I'm absolutely convinced today that I wouldn't be on this journey if those three different things hadn't happened in my life and that's why I just wanted to communicate that to you guys revelation because we talk about prophetic here a lot at St Leonard's and and it's a fantastic thing but don't just sit around waiting for it. Use what you've already got, what's already in your hands. Use what's already there to find it out, to seek it out, to seek out God intentionally. Don't just wait for him to give you the revelation. I'm just going to read that opening part of Paul's prayer, which is a fantastic prayer. 
I wonder if you've ever prayed it for anyone. I've prayed this prayer for many people many times, and it's so important, this prayer. This is in verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ... Sorry, is this microphone okay? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit... You can't really see that, but it is. sorry about the darkness on that. It's quite bright on my thing. Um, the spirit is the Greek word pneuma, the breath, the wind of wisdom, which is the sophia, the, the knowledge, the head knowledge that I'm just been talking about. It's the wisdom that people are seeking, that wisdom. It's a, it's a thing that's out there. We can actually gain it. And revelation. There we go. The word revelation is the same as apocalypsis. It's, it's a... Is a state of unveiling and a state of revealing what is true. You know where it says in the Bible, everything will be laid bare. Wow, that's actually revelation. It's crazy, isn't it? Everything will be laid bare and unveiled. So that, why, why do we need this, this um, knowledge and this revelation? Why do we need this wisdom and this revelation? Because... We need to know God better. That's what Paul's praying. He wants us to know God better. Why? Because it matters what we put our faith in. What's God called you to? What's God called you for? I know that St. Leonard's is called to worship and to listen to the Father's voice. I know that. It's in your purpose statement. What's he called you to personally? To belong to Christ. He's called each one of us to belong to Christ. That's back to our identity as his children. And he's called us to belong to his body. So we can't just belong to the head because a head without a body is a bit weird, isn't it? And we can't just belong to the body either, because a body without a head is a bit weird. It doesn't really do much. Probably just fall over. But the he- there's a reason that, that Paul uses these terms, the head and the body, because Jesus himself said, this is my body and I give it to you. And the reason that we are the body of Christ is because we are, yes, we're individuals, but we can't be Jesus on our own. We're not meant to be. I just imagine if all the Jesus in this world was like Vicky Burton, wouldn't that be terrible? Because it's not, that's not who he is. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, people can't encounter Jesus when I speak to them. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that we need one another And we need people to recognize Christ through us being the body. So we need to belong, we are belonging to his body. And why? For what purpose? For God's glory? What does that mean? For God's glory? Something we sort of say, isn't it? For God's glory. The simplest way of thinking about it is the presence of God, isn't it? Um, The presence of God being as he, it really is. So the glory, when we do something and we live in such a way that people see the presence of God, just as he really is, it's really impacting for the people around us. They start asking questions. 
They start asking, what, what is it? What is it about you? Why is it you have such grace about you? What's that? Where's that? Why is it you have such peace about you? What is it? What is it about you? There's something about you. What is it? You, know, you ever get that at school where people are just like, there's something different about you. They see the glory because you're living for God's glory. But it's also for the riches of his glorious inheritance. And that's the name of the talk, glorious riches. What is that? Well, it's not just this kind of glorious riches that we have to give away, you know, our money, our homes, all those things. It's not just that, is it? We know that. That's not just the material riches. It's the spiritual riches. What is that? It's the eternal stuff. It's the stuff, as I said earlier, it counts what it counts for. It's the imperishable. Not non-perishable. Get it? Non-perishable. It's the imperishable. So when we're living life this week, what if we were to ask ourselves, Lord, or not ask ourselves, ask the Lord, um, Lord, Show me how to live in an in imperishable manner. Show me what that looks like in my life. Show me what it looks like for you to be leading and to taking me places that maybe I just haven't even thought of yet. Because we get to join in God's amazing plan. That's the privilege of this letter that Paul's trying to get across. We get to join in who God is, just like he intended us to, walking hand in hand with the great God. You see, um, the next couple of verses after verse 17, verse 18, talks about our hearts. So I pray that the eyes, the mind's eye of your heart, your inner person is enlightened, that's brightened up. Um, so that you can know, that's really appreciate and remember. It's not just um, that you know it once, because I, I know stuff once, I know your names, and then I forget. Because like, we, we want to know um, in a remembering God way, um, so that to which he has called us, um, so that that hope which he's called us to shines out and people start going, something about you. There's something. You've got something, and I want it. I have people in our community who have nothing, but they recognize hope when they see it. In fact, our purpose statement at St. Peter's is um, to bring wholeness and hope to the people around us through encountering Jesus. And we say it like everybody knows that statement because um, we're, we're just like the same on a Sunday as it is on a Tuesday, on a Thursday, when we're all gathering around coffee and cake and the food bank and our food bank at cafe um, it's interesting that um, Chris mentioned earlier the stigma we've worked really hard this year at removing or trying to remove any stigma so what we do is we have our entrance here and we have our cafe coffee you get your coffee here and we've put our food bank um, desk right over there why? Because what we want is for people to know that we're in cafe together and every single person in the room has a need. 
today. We all come with a need today. And your need might be to get some food, but somebody else's need might be to be listened to. We all come with a need. And so we've worked really hard. And actually, people now like coming to get food from St. Peter's because they know that somebody's going to listen to them and because they know they're going to get free cake, which is part of, you know, we realise that's a thing. People need food. They want food. They want it. Actually, we do soup as well, soup lunch. They need it. But they also need to be heard, listened, seen, noticed, loved. So here we are, the riches of his glorious inheritance. It's, our, it's the possession. It's the possession when it says that God owns us, that we belong to God. Like, now, there's a question here. Like the, the, um, the commentators and the theologians and people, they sort of, you know, they, they kind of argue two points here. One is that, you know, our inheritance is one another. That is our whole inheritance because that's how the body of Christ is. You know, it's the fullness of the body. We inherit one another. It's quite exciting. We get to inherit one another across the globe and through all ages. That's pretty exciting. But there's another whole bunch of people which would say, no, it's that, that's a tiny part of it. It's not really. There's all these other things. And you say, well, what are those things? And we all go, well, we don't really know. But that's okay. We don't really know. It must be all of those things and because, well, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm going to be the same me when I really come face to face with him in the sky. So there's something extraordinary about embracing our weakness now and those that are weak around us now because of that imperishable, because of the eternal. There's something about embracing the suffering. If we are sick, um, we are seeking healing, yes, but we are also reminded of our dependency on God. I've been reminded of my dependency on God so many times because I've had to do stuff in the past few years that I've really not wanted to do and not believed that I could. So that's my other question. This week, is there something that God is asking of you that you don't want to do? Then ask somebody to pray for you so that you can so Paul was known, wasn't he, for boasting about his weaknesses. You know, he'd say, I'm the worst of the worst, but God's grace has saved me. And that's how he wants us to be. He wants us to recognize our fallibility so that we can recognize his amazing, glorious riches that he has for us.